I'll make you proud of your boy Believe me, bad as I've been, ma You're in for a pleasant surprise I've wasted time I've wasted me So say I'm slow for my age A late bloomer, okay I agree That I've been one rotten kid Some sun, some pride, and some joy But I'll get over these lousing up Messing up, screwing up times You'll see my now comes the better part Someone's gonna make good cross this stupid heart Make good and finally make you Welcome to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway for Sunday, August 30th, 2020. My name is James Marino, and in the broadcast today we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His columns appear at Masterworks, Broadway, Broadway Select, and many other places. Good morning, Peter. Hi. You avoided the uh, tropical storm, Laura? Yes. Yes. And it, <laughs> it was supposed to be terrible weather yesterday, too. And that's yeah. going to pass. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, I've I, I've just about exhausted all my uh, all my puns and jokes about uh, <laughs> about Laura because that's that's my wife's name, and so uh, ah. <laughs> it seems that that tropical storm has passed. You know, uh, I have to say, most of the Lauras I've known have been extraordinary women. So um, um, I'm sure that uh, if I got to know your wife, I would find her the same. <laughs> oh, thank you, and, she and is. also there's that beautiful song. Yeah, ironically so enough, many I just, Laura songs. Yeah. I just I just watched the movie of Laura the other night. Isn't that funny? Yeah, and oh. I didn't even I didn't even tie it to the hurricane. It was just what was next um, that I was going to watch. It's based on a play, actually. Mm. So it's so odd for Peter to be watching TV. <laughs> what, <laughs> what else you got to do? <laughs> Also with us is Michael Portant here. Michael is a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of CastAlbumReviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You could see his photography work at FollowSpotPhoto.com. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. With us this morning, we have a very special guest. Giuseppe Bausilio is with us, coming to us from his girlfriend's bathtub, right, Giuseppe? That's correct? <laughs> oh, my God. That's absolutely correct. Okay, I think this is a, this is a Broadway radio first. I think that the first bathtub interview that we've ever done, you know, <laughs> NPR has this tiny desk interviews. We have the Broadway radio bathtub interviews. Uh, <laughs> Giuseppe is uh, well known to our Broadway friends uh, as uh, a performer. He is uh, was a Billy Elliot back in the Billy Elliot days. He was a Newsie. He was in Aladdin. He was in Hamilton. He was in Cats. He was in Hello, Dolly. And I think that he's still only 12 years old or so. So uh, Just about. Just about. So, Giuseppe, thank you for joining us uh, on oh, Broadway thank Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I'm, uh, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. So, I mean... It's it's amazing. I make fun of your your young years, which I'm just envious of, really, more than making fun of you. Uh, that's <laughs> awesome. Six six shows uh, in such a short period of time, and uh, and how did you end up in Billy Elliot? Tell us that story. Sure. So I was doing a ballet competition uh, when I was eleven year, ten or eleven years old. I won third place in Europe, and then I came to the United States, and I won second place, I think. Um, Nora Brennan, the kids' casting director for Billy Elliot, saw me mm. at the finals in New York City, 
And they were, you know, they were scouting as they naturally do for young, talented ballet boys because that show was incredibly balletic demanding. Um, and so I, I, she, come, she came up to me after the competition and was like, hey, you want to audition for this thing called Billy Elliot? Um, I was like, sure. I mean, she went up to my parents, technically. Yeah, of course, <laughs> as naturally would. And um, I auditioned two days later. Um, I prepared like the electricity, the song that they had asked me to prepare. And I learned literally how to tap because my mom bought me some tap shoes and was like, here, d- this is a flat step, flat step, go. I don't know if I'd give an 11 year old tap shoes that that's pretty bold. <laughs> exactly. Especially in a hotel room on like oh, 18th street. We were staying in some like two star hotel room in, in, in on 18th street with our dog, which we snuck in and out every day. Um, <laughs> you know, so um anyway so that's that's sort of how i came to be in billy elliott there was obviously a big gap that i jumped from from there um after the auditions i went back to switzerland i lost my we lost our flight the next day to go back to switzerland and then i came back three months later when i had time to train when tap uh, gymnastics and all that and i came to the big final callback with all of the billies that were auditioning i think there were like 24 25 of them so so you you were evidently studying ballet, but you were you also studying voice at the time? I wasn't studying anything. Like I, I had no idea. You know what I mean? I used to sing with my brother um, when I was four, and he used to record any sort of like he loved Italian songs, and he used to record <laughs> songs on his first computer that he ever got, and then my parents would like listen to him and be like, oh, how wonderful! And then I would come up for my part of singing, and they would say, what the hell did we do with this kid? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and so you know i was completely tone deaf and my mom put me in uh cello lessons which was one of the best things that i could have she could have done for me at that age um i ended up playing cello for three years i played uh, the white swan uh at my baptism <laughs> at church wow and it was yeah it was one of the best things because that, you know, the cello is such an instrument where you have to really find the note. And if, <laughs> if the string isn't perfectly tuned, you will hear it immediately, you know? And so you have to, yeah, you just have to dedicate to really listening and then actively listening. Anyway. Are, are um, your parents in the arts? Uh, both of my parents are ballet dancers, actually. Wow. Um, my brother is a ballet dancer with the Paris Opera Ballet and my sister is a carpenter. So <laughs> she's the one who made it out alive, basically. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, yeah. Do they live in uh, America uh, or are they still in Switzerland? So my mom moved here with me when I was 11 for Billy Elliot and my dad stayed home because we have two ballet schools in Switzerland. Um, and he also had a dan- janitor job at, a, at the time at a church. Um, and so they, you know, they kept working. Um, as hard as they could. My mom ended up opening a ballet studio here in New York. <laughs> and, um, and yeah. Zeppi didn't mention, but uh, um, now by this point, he speaks, I believe, seven languages. But when he yeah. came to America for Billy Elliot, he spoke not a word of English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Oh, really? Not a lick. I literally got through the whole entire audition process. You won't believe this. I got through the whole entire audition process by literally nodding and saying yes. <laughs> I, I kid you not. They literally, I believe it. I believe they were just it. Like, they were like, oh, uh, you know, can you do a buffalo? And I just sort of was staring at them and like nodding. And they were like, what the, what the, what the hell's wrong with this kid? And, uh, 
then they came up to show me and I tried to do it and obviously I like, couldn't really do a buffalo but they saw that I was like very quick learner because I, I got it after like two or three tries um and so yeah and and every like the only couple words that I knew at the time were amazing and I used to say it with that accent too I used to uh. say, it's amazing you know first <laughs> first word and and in the United States, amazing. And then everything just suddenly becomes amazing. <laughs> that's the only word you know. <laughs> I'm surprised it isn't awesome. Uh, that exactly. said. <laughs> Actually, that was another one that I used. It was awesome all the time. Too. Sure. Um, uh, did you know the words hello and Dolly um, while you were in Switzerland? <laughs> I did uh, not. I mean, I knew the words hello. I did not know the word Dolly. <laughs> so when uh, was hello, Dolly, totally unknown to you when indeed um, you were uh ready to go into it uh, had you never heard of it before had you seen a I, movie i had actually never heard of it um uh-huh. before i i just went on you know in need of a job and mm-hmm. i i went to the open calls and um next thing you know i'm in the final calls and i'm like oh wow this went fast <laughs> this went very fast and then um i i got in and i remember the first rehearsal like i would say 80 percent of everyone there was just singing along uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I'm over here like, what? Wait, aren't we learning the music today? <laughs> <laughs> and they're all just already like singing all of their parts and whatnot. And I'm over here like, oh god, with like two other newbies who didn't really like who were you know their Broadway debut, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Did you stay with it for the entire run? I stayed with it for a year, I believe, and then I ended up going to Hamilton in Chicago. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so these are very different types of shows. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> Total, uh, you know, polar opposites. So what does musical theater mean to you in Switzerland? Uh, had you ever heard of it? Uh, did you occasionally hear a song or an album or anything like that? Um, I had absolutely no idea about musical mm-hmm. theater except for what my parents showed me. Um, my parents put up productions of Cats at one point um, and a chorus line as well you know, in, in Switzerland, in our ballet school. So I knew like of that, but I didn't like, I didn't understand like what Broadway was, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Broadway's huge. Like it's such a massive, like culture in a way, mm-hmm. you know, it, sure. it's, it, it's huge. So that's what I learned in <laughs> in the States is when I came here, I was like, wow, people are obsessed with this. It's incredible. So as a result, you mentioned uh, that they did Cats and here you are winding up in Cats. Little did you know that was in your future, but that must have been one where you knew some of the music when you went in, right? Yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. knew some of the music to Cats for sure. Uh, my brother played Rum Tum Tugger when he was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> still have those videos. Um, but yeah, I knew I knew uh, some of the music. Um, obviously, it was completely different from like you know hearing it a, a few times on the on the original cast album and then hearing it live. Sure, um, sure. Being sung in front of you by by these incredible singers, right? Um, and well, and you know having the creative team who made it possible there as well. Cats, of course, um, was famous for being very difficult to do um, mm-hmm. on his performance. I know that they actually hired uh, somebody to work on bodies when they got um, injured or at least um, uh, hurt um, to a small degree even. Mm-hmm. So um, was it very, very hard for you to do or with the ballet background? Was it easier for you than many? So I think I had a very particular um, instance in Cats because like I was, you know, I was 
19 years old. My body was in top-notch shape. I was feeling great. I didn't really have any issues except for, you know, your, your occasional ankle twist here, or, you know, mm-hmm. knee hit into the floor there. Um, but I ended up getting back surgery during CATS. Wow. Uh, I, I was two months into CATS and I, ha- I found out I had a tumor in my spine. Oh, God. Yeah. And so the, the tumor was benign, luckily enough, but it was just mm. like a, a, basically just a vascular, like just a bunch of blood vessels that decided to like top, pile up on top of each other. Wow. Isn't it, ca- isn't it called a, a hemangioma? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A hemangioma. Yeah. Um, and then, so I'm missing, you know, two very small parts of my spine because they had to cut those out. But uh, I was back on stage in cats three months later to the day. Well, all right. But here you are. You get the diagnosis. You must have been scared to death, um, literally and figuratively, uh, yeah. that, that this was the end of the career, that it could be even worse than that. I mean, those must have been terrible times for you. Absolutely. It was, I mean, it was, it was definitely one of the worst things that I've ever experienced in my life to date by far. Uh, from the whole process of finding out, because when I, when they told me, so basically what happened is, you know, I was having pain for a little while. And then finally I like, I went to do two shows and I went home to stretch and I couldn't get back off the floor. Um, my legs wouldn't really move. And I was in so much pain. Like I couldn't even like to drink water. Sometimes my legs would give out because I would tilt my head back and like the blood pressure in Uh my spinal cord Uh would like completely be thrown off just by that small movement. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And so that was, that was scary in itself. And then when they couldn't really find anything in x-rays and, um, and, and, you know, in x-rays at first in the first MRI as well, because they didn't use contrast that was very scary as well because it was like, oh, well, it's a ghost. <laughs> you know, nothing's there. Great. I'm going to be living with this forever. And then finally, once they found out, they were like, oh, wow, this is this is significant. This is going like halfway down your spine. Oh. Like, what? <laughs> um, mm. And, and so, Giuseppe's, um, I, I believe, his his surgery went, obviously went brilliantly well. Mm-hmm. And it was so extraordinary that there was an article on it in the New York Times, correct? Really? Yeah, there was a, there was actually an article. Bette Midler actually came up to me one day because it was on the back. It was on the very, like all, all the way on the back yeah. page of uh, the New York Times. Uh-huh. And Bette Midler comes up to me and she goes, Giuseppe, were you, were, you in the, were you in the New York Times? <laughs> <laughs> what I, I i think and she said yeah because i saw this name giuseppe and i couldn't believe it um and, and i thought you know there was probably going to be one giuseppe on broadway so i figured it was you <laughs> yeah. i was like great thanks but <laughs> um but she's yeah she's such a sweetheart and so amazing oh she was another, nice to you that's good to hear that's good yeah to another hear, quick yeah. story about bed actually when i first bought so after surgery and all that i'll, I'll go back to surgery um but when we first bought our house in jersey of uh, Five years ago, four years ago, five years ago, I had a little garden outside and I started growing cherry tomatoes. I ended up taking a bunch of cherry tomatoes to her dressing room. I said, hey, Bet, I grew these in my garden for the first time. Let me know how they are. And uh, she came back the next day and said, Giuseppe, they were phenomenal and handed me a bag full of like fresh produce from her like farm or, or common garden upstate. Huh. Huh. Yeah. And, and she was just like so sweet. And I mean, they were fantastic vegetables and fruits. She gave me a melon. Who like Bette Midler grows melons, <laughs> you know? Interesting. But, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so back to back to cats. Um, yeah, it was terrifying, and uh, 
so they couldn't biopsy it because they figured I would bleed from the inside and I would die. Um, so what they had to do was literally just go in and then I would find out after surgery if it was cancerous or benign. Um, so I literally just kind of went into it. You know, they, they put the, they put the, uh, the, what do you call it? And, uh, anesth- the, the anesthesiologist puts the, the, the drugs in your system basically to make you go to sleep. And, um, I, you know, he was like, okay, so we'll now think of this like beautiful, warm beach town. And I was like, oh, this is great. And meanwhile, I'm like in a freezing cold, horrible, you know, metal bed. Like you're just laying there hoping that everything's going to be okay. And then suddenly you wake up. Uh, Next thing you know, I wake up and, you know, there's three doctors around me and are like, can you move your leg? Move your leg up, up. Come on, move your leg up. Because they had Uh to test everything. Can you feel this on your toes? Can you feel this? Because they needed to know if it went well, you know. My mom was terrified, you know, the, the first, because I had to go in twice, once for a him and, uh, what is it, uh, a hit, some, something gram, something graph, uh-huh. and uh, where they, like, release dye into your bloodstream, and they take a bunch of pictures, and they have to mm-hmm. go in through, like, your artery, anyway, um, so that was one and a half hours, the second one was three and a half hours, because they had to cauterize all of the, all of the spots where I could bleed out in the morning for surgery. And then the surgery itself took six and a half hours. And at hour seven, I think my mom was like starting to pace around. Cause she was like, my son isn't out yet. Like, is everything okay? Did something happen? And so she just sees my doctor walking down the hallway. She's like, is what happened? Is he okay? And he's like, and he's like, yeah, everything went really great. We're just waiting for him to wake up. He's, he's in the bed. Uh, he's been there for about 20 minutes. Um, she was like, Oh my God, thank God. Um, but yeah, then the, the worst part was the recovery. That, I mean, that will never be beat by anything. The recovery process was just awful. Not just mentally, but also like, you know, you, you, you're you such an active person and you're performing on Broadway and suddenly you're literally getting carted out of the hospital in wheelchair and you're taking the cab ride home and there is bumps in New York everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Your back is yeah. just rubbing up against the back, you know. Oh. And also, oh, I forgot to mention, I got um, um, everyone on the floor that day or the day after surgery got food poisoning of some kind. Oh my God. And so I was just, you know, throwing up hysterically oh. with nothing in my stomach, just ripping open those mm. new those new stitches in my back. Wow. Um, so that was, an, I mean, you know, not to go TMI, but. Yeah. we're here might as well you know <laughs> tell all story <laughs> happy surgery um, wow so yeah mm. it was it was a whole thing then the recovery process i mean i can take another half hour to just I, talk about that. I have <laughs> to say that um what's really um what you said that struck out to me most was when the doctor's saying can you move your leg move your leg i mean for a person who's done ballet for a person who's done broadway what an amazing thing to be reduced to can you move your leg right that's yeah. that's Literally. really something you know Literally. i mean so um whoa um so when you say that the recovery period was was difficult and all that there must have been times when you said this will never work out i'll never be back on broadway you know what's crazy i i don't think i had that thought once I, good for I, you i gotta be completely honest i really don't think i had that thought once because good for you once i knew I think it was once I knew that I like even the doctors, you know, they told me they were like, you're never going to be as strong as you were before. Cause you're missing uh-huh. two small pieces of your spine and blah, blah, uh-huh. blah. And I was like, okay, sure. Can I move? Can I, can I walk? And so, you know, five, four days after surgery, when I took my first steps, 
for a walk because that's when they were like, all right, let's go. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's try it out. I think you're strong mm-hmm. enough. Um, that's when I knew. I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to be making a full recovery. This is, this is about to be great. And I, I did. And more so because uh, in Chicago, I ended up, I started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Brazilian um, jiu-jitsu. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is grappling. And it is mostly on your back. And my mom was always so afraid she would, you know, I would come home with bruises and whatnot. And even, even at the show, you know, the stage managers would be like, um, are you okay? And they would like see bruises on my arm and stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Just training. Um, and my mom was terrified. She was like, you know, if you get slammed on your back or someone puts you in a twister and like messes up your spine, you know, I'm like, "Ah, don't worry about it. That's fine. That's why we have the tap. And that's, what's so beautiful about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And I, I, I have a deep, deep love for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, I had no idea there was such a thing. Yeah. (laughs) It almost sounds like an oxymoron, you know, Brazilian (laughs) Jiu Jitsu. (laughs) I know. Right. Exactly. No, but so basically, I mean, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu originated from Japanese Jiu Jitsu. Um, but the Gracie brothers, uh, two brothers from Brazil learned the art and then started improving upon each other actually because they were able to grapple and because Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is one of the only martial arts where it's not about knocking out your opponent. It's about making them go to sleep and, or, you know, pushing their limit until they break. And so you always have the option to tap out, which makes you be able to get better so quickly in jujitsu. Um, yeah. Cause you sort of realize from your mistake and you're like, Oh, okay, great. You know, if you get knocked out in a fight, you don't really know your mistake. I mean, you can go back and watch a video or whatever, but you don't actively learn, I think. Well, maybe. I don't know. All right. A lot of people uh, in the arts don't want people to know their age because they're afraid that uh, people will say, oh, uh, directors will say, oh, uh, he or she is too old. Now, were you afraid of uh, news getting out that you had had this um, experience, uh, figuring that directors would say, oh, we better not cast him. There may be a recurrence, anything like that. Was that a worry for you? Um, it, it, it really wasn't because mm-hmm. I, so what's crazy is during cats right before surgery, I had already, I had already signed my contract for hello dolly. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. so I honestly didn't really feel like I had a choice in a sense mm-hmm. because I was like, Oh wait, no, I have a contract that I have to go back to. I have to get better. There is no if or when, you know, I would like be telling them back and forth during, you know, I would tell them my progress and whatnot up until the day of rehearsals. And, um, that was a scary thing, but, um, yeah, Mm. I I wasn't really that worried. What it really comes down to is that those of us who were born on June 20th really are extraordinary people, aren't we, (laughs) Giuseppe? So incredibly lucky. (laughs) We do share the same birthday. We do share the same, yes. (laughs) However, (laughs) you have bought some... the first person I've met who shares my birthday. That's crazy. Uh Uh-huh. Well, maybe you'll meet Jason Robert Brown someday. Um, Maybe. That'd be fun. (laughs) So, uh, but nevertheless, um, yes, uh, though um, many moons had passed uh, before you were born, when I when we I was celebrating that same birthday, uh, so, um, but really this is really quite an incredible story. In every step of the way, I mean, starting in Switzerland, not knowing musical theater, um, seeing a, having your parents do a production um, of Cats that uh, later turned out to be significant in your life uh, is yeah. just amazing. All the way to getting a melon from Bette Midler. I mean, really, yeah. you know, very few of us can say that. Very few of us can say that. That's so. right. <laughs> 
Uh, what's really throwing me here is that we we have been talking this morning, uh, and, and it, it's amazing to me that you've known English for about ten years, and I don't I don't hear the slightest. Yeah, accent. that's a good point, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, who taught you English, and did you have speech coaches that helped you along, or what what happened there? So I actually started learning English um, with a Geordie accent for the show in <laughs> Billy Elliot, which ah. was, yes, um, and then I I learned English. Because all of my schooling went from German or Swiss German, well, technically German, <laughs> to uh, English. And, you know, I ha- we had tutors in the show. And uh, for a short period, I ended up being homeschooled. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I always thought that that uh, the fact that you, uh, you obviously have a, a really incredible ear uh, the fact that you could even speak seven languages, and every time I've heard you speak in any of them, that they, they all sound perfect to me. Thank so, you. Uh, so I guess, but that is late. I mean, uh, eleven. So eleven. It is, it is definitely you, late. Yeah. It's definitely late. But I mean, you know, I, I, I didn't really have a choice. Again, like everything, everything that I've learned so far, it's not because I had a choice in anything. <laughs> to be, you know, to be completely frank, it's more so like, oh, okay, this is what you have to do. Uh, this is what you got to, you know. Let's go. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not. Do you want to do this? No. It's let's go. We're doing it. This this transition from uh, you know in from Billy Elliot into Newsies. Uh, uh, certainly, again, you know they're, they're on the casting directors on the lookout for uh, for young guys who can dance and sing, and that seemed like a, a good timing and good fit for you. What was your? How long were you in Newsies for? So actually, with just to just to backphrase a little bit, um, with after I got out of Billy Elliot, I was fourteen and a half, roughly, and I didn't know what the hell to do with myself. You know, after you after you're a child actor and you work for two and a half years and you're treated as this like, ooh, you're Billy Elliot, you know, in Billy Elliot on Broadway, and then suddenly you're you're nothing, <laughs> you know, and that's that's the beauty and and the terrible side of acting in a way that you get to go into new things. But, but um, Giuseppe's, um, uh, I believe his first show in New York was an off-Broadway production of the play version of Spring Awakening. Yeah, uh, I was which 15. He, in which he played Melchior. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was my first play experience, like straight play, no dancing, no singing, no nothing. And um, it was with the, um, what are they called? The rep- Repertory Theater. Abingdon? Marvel, Marvel Repertory I'm not Theater. Marvel, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Marvel. Yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, we performed at the Barrow Group Theater. Um, and then at, at 16, I got into Newsies. I went to the open calls. I think most of the shows that I've gotten so far were from open calls. Wow. Um, except for Hamilton. I, I literally just called the casting office and I was like, hey guys, can I come in for audition for Hamilton? They're like, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. wow. um, but anyway, so um, Newsies was, was an amazing experience. I think I, I, I started doing it when I was 16. And then that was for a medical leave, I think, for about three months. And then I came back again when I was 17 to close out the show. And mm. um, um, I remember uh, Damon Gillespie and I. Do, do you guys know who Damon Gillespie is? No, I don't know. David. From the, uh, so, the, the TV series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rise, is that right? Rise. TV show Rise. And he's, I mean, he's working so much in, in television now. He's, you know, we're, we're really good friends because he lives in um, Hoboken. So we'll like hang out and skate sometime. And 
it's really fun. But um, he, they ended up announcing closing literally the day before his debut <laughs> in Newsies with me. And it was like, oh, man, that sucks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, it, I don't know. It was just a, a really fun experience. Newsies was crazy in its own sense. I mean, I also felt like, I don't know. in. So to be frank, I don't know in the dressing room if I felt 100% comfortable with everybody because, you know, they were all like over 22, 23. Uh And I was over here like 17 years old in the dressing room. And, you know, they're talking about going out later. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll go to my mom's. (laughs) You know, I'll go eat dinner. Bye. You know, so so that was a a little weird experience for me. But other than that, I, I think I had an amazing time in Newsies. There have been a lot of Newsies uh, reunions at uh, oh, yeah. the, f- the 54 Below, uh, Newsies Sing. I was just watching a clip from Newsies Sing Alan Menken, where, oh, wow. uh, where Giuseppe sings Proud of Your Boy from Aladdin. Yeah. Uh, so they, they've been doing that. They've been very good about, uh, someone has been very good about keeping those people together and doing these reunions. Yeah. And those are always fun because we always, you know, we always come back and reminisce at all times. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, you touched upon the Hamilton thing. Uh, you were in Hamilton on the road before the Broadway production? I sure was. I was in uh, Chicago for a year. And then oh, I, uh, and I, I probably came to Broadway. saw you. <laughs> you. You might have. You absolutely yeah. might have. <laughs> um, Samantha Polino, do you know her? I know her indirectly. I know of her. I've never okay. really personally met her directly. Okay. I think I met chance, her on FaceTime once. Chances are I didn't see you because uh, that's <laughs> why. So. No, no. Oh, so well, there's still her. time. Yeah. 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 How old were you when you first got Chicago Hamilton? I actually turned 21 in Chicago. Uh, I think about two months after I started my contract there. And that was... That opened a lot of doors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, you're walking into, I mean, at that point, you had already been in uh, Aladdin um, and y- you were already in Hello, Dolly, or is that out of is Hello, Dolly? Uh, I was already Hamilton? in Hello, Dolly, yeah. So you were already in a hit show. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess Billy Elliot was a hit show, but you were so young, it's hard to really understand yeah. and experience that. But, and, uh, a, a, you know, uh, Aladdin is a big Disney corporate venture. So you have the big thing, but until you're 21, you're in, in, in Chicago and you're in Hamilton and, you know, what's that, you know, were, were you, did you start up with the, uh, cast in Chicago or did you replace so I replaced, um, who did I replace? Oh, uh, Vandenboom, Ryan Vandenboom, Broadway's oh, okay. Ryan Vandenboom. Uh-huh. I replaced him, um, in Chicago and it, it was such, it was such a fun, I mean, honestly, like Chicago was one of the best experiences that I ever had. What's crazy is cause I started Billy Elliot in Chicago. I ended up living in the same exact apartment building oh, that I used wow. to live in when I was a kid. <laughs> And it was the same layout, everything, like literally same corner apartment. I I loved it. That was, I mean, it was so nostalgic in a way. And being able to walk past any site in Chicago, which there are many in Chicago as w- with an adult mind, um, mm. you know, everything <laughs> seems smaller in a way, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, then just being able to like go out and explore the city on my own. And, and I think that was also like the first experience I had 
where I wasn't at home, you know, or I wasn't with my parents or my mom or anything. It was just me in my apartment doing my own thing, you know, setting my own schedule and, and being now, bear in mind, Giuseppe had previously worked with Andy Blankenbuehler on Cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. so, uh, that's the that, connection. Okay, that helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. So <laughs> you, that may have helped, but nevertheless, this should right. be really this this interview should really be uh, quite an inspiration to younger people out there who think it's impossible to go to um, an open call and get cast. It's just a cattle call. They they don't pay attention to you. Look at what's happened here. I mean, this should really be an inspiration to so many young people go to these auditions oh absolutely if it, you know if anyone if anyone here is listening who's under 21 <laughs> go do it because it, it it's worth it you know if i i think because you can tell like if someone's like really fantastic and really good and as a dancer i think you can always you can always sort of like spot out oh wow they have like something different they don't just dance they really like go all in with their being and they are our dance. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's, it's always, it's always really cool to see those people at open calls too. Giuseppe. So uh, let's flash back. What were you doing in January of 2020? I mean, what, what <laughs> oh, was your man, life January like? 2020. I had just look right before the shutdown, literally the week before the shutdown, I got my two bottom wisdom teeth out. which i got so lucky um because i i started quarantining basically a week before everyone else so what you know were you in a show what were you doing i mean you have Um, you you're doing a lot of things outside of theater these days mm -hmm. i was in uh hamilton here on broadway playing charles lee and i got my wisdom teeth out and then, of course, there was talks of this virus going around and, you know, no one really knew. There was an usher who had gotten it like a theater mm-hmm. up, yeah. you know, and then a bu- I guess a bunch of people got it because they were in contact with this usher. Um, and if we really like if we really think about it, how many people does an usher seat every show? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess a lot. Um, anyway, so I, I got to start quarantining and then I didn't do anything. And I mean... I didn't move a muscle to do anything for the first four months of quarantine. Um, And my reasoning behind that was, okay, look, I've been working since I was 11 years old, nonstop. Might as well take a break. It's forced. No one's doing anything. We're not going to be back for a while. And so I did. And it was incredibly beneficial to me. Um, And I think it's taught me the importance of, um, realizing when you really need a break because I would, I mean, even when we had like vacation times, I would hold off on taking it as long as I could so that I could like take two weeks straight, which was not healthy in a way. Um, but yeah, so it, it was just, uh, it was nice to be able to quarantine. Yeah. What, everyone else. <laughs> uh, I believe that the timeline was you were, you filmed a movie in which you play the lead uh, at the same time that you were uh, in one Broadway show and rehearsing another. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's crazy. Um, I ended up do- so um, shout out Ode to Passion, uh, the movie that just came out on Amazon prime. And I think now is available on seagood.tv. Uh if I'm not mistaken, go look that up though. Um, and so I was shooting that movie while I was in workshops for pretty woman, while I was 
performing in Hello Dolly. So I would, for a whole month, I literally got two hours of sleep every single night. And I remember at rehearsal for, for um, Pretty Woman, every day, like someone would come up to me because they would see me just like sleeping in the corner. <laughs> and they would be like, hey, man, um, are you okay? And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, they, you know, they were kind of worried about me, but I, I, was, I was just doing so many things at the same time. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a crazy experience to give you a, a glimpse of my schedule for two months, for a month, basically was I would, uh, go to the workshop from 10 AM to 6 PM. I would go perform from 7 PM to 11 PM. And then I would go shoot from 12 AM to 6 AM. Hmm. And then I would go home, which was about an hour and away, you know, an hour away. And then I would sleep for two or three hours and then go back to the to rehearsal. So you are doing all these things. Uh, I, I wanted to flash back to Hamilton for a second. Uh, you know, did you call your parents in Switzerland and say, I'm going into Hamilton on Broadway. You have to come to New York to see me or. So actually my mom was, I mean, we, we have, we have a house out in Jersey now, uh-huh. um, which is amazing um, because my parents, you know, they can come whenever they want. And both of my parents are in Switzerland right now. My mom actually left uh, about two weeks before the quarantine hit or before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And so she was safe in Switzerland, which I'm really happy with as well. And I'm so happy for them as well, because this is the longest time together that they've gotten to spend in 10 years. You know, mm. they, they basically gave up their like People don't realize how much goes into one person succeeding. My parents literally gave up their marriage in a way um or 10 years of their beautiful marriage for me you know my my dad was in switzerland my mom my mom was here with me taking care of everything um my mom ended up opening a ballet studio and an agency so that i could you know stay in the country um yeah a lot a lot goes into into success and i i don't think people see or realize that um anyway sorry (laughs) Uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about how you told, let your family know that you were in Hamilton, and and right. I was gonna I was gonna transition into asking you about not seeing your family for six months, but uh, and, and with the pandemic, were your parents coming back and forth to see you in Broadway shows, and what's it been like staying in touch with them while your family is in Switzerland? Absolutely. Um, so my mom, my mom was here with me most of my life, so she was already here. So the only person who had to come and see me on on Broadway was my dad. So he ended up making the trip out and saw me uh, in Chicago and saw me on Broadway. I mean, I think they've all seen me in every show I've ever been in. I think my dad only didn't see one, which I think might've been Aladdin, but I was in Aladdin for like three months. So that would make sense. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been okay. Honestly, like I've, I've not felt this crazy, like obviously I miss them. But I've not felt this like, I can't mm. live without my parents, you know, like some people have a full on breakdown. And I, I don't think I've felt that yet just because I've like been with my parents for so long, um, <laughs> you know, and it was kind of nice to like, mm-hmm. okay, I get to breathe again for the fish. <laughs> <laughs> I have the house to myself. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, of course I miss them and I can't, I can't wait to see them again. <laughs> 
So, uh, Giuseppe, thank you so much for joining us on Broadway Radio. Really appreciate you coming in and talking with us, to letting, letting us know what you've been up to during this time of uh, relaxation and hanging out in a bathtub. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Uh, listeners can catch up with Giuseppe. Uh, we have links to his website, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all different things of that uh, on our show notes at BroadwayRadio.com. Giuseppe, have a wonderful time and come back and talk with us uh, when something new comes up. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. Peace and love. Well, that was a delightful conversation to have with Giuseppe. You know, uh, Michael, thank mm-hmm. you for bringing him to our attention. I, I mean, such a such a young guy with such. Uh, I mean, the shows. It's it's ridiculous how <laughs> how different all of those shows are. He's not yeah. like stuck mm-hmm. into this sure. into mm. a certain genre or mold. I mean, he has run the gamut from Hello Dolly to to Hamilton. I I, I dare say that Bette Midler would never be in Hamilton and bringing mm-hmm. melons backstage. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. And he, <laughs> yeah, he he's really just multi-talented in so many genres. You can see these wonderful music videos he's done of himself walking around the theater district for yeah you sent them to me i'll put them in the uh i'm gonna put them in the show notes that's right you sent them to me uh it's really really wonderful to see somebody who is just so it's just clicking on all cylinders for him Mm. that's really wonderful so michael we've had some uh sad news this sunday morning that uh virginia bosler has passed away so you want to say some words about her yes i wanted to make note of her passing uh just this morning uh Sunday, August 30th. Um, And this is a a name which you may, the name might not be familiar when you first hear it, but when you hear her credits, uh, it's really quite impressive. Uh, She was born September 23rd, 1926 in Newton, Massachusetts, uh, and uh, known to all of her friends and family as Winky uh, since childhood. I I never found out the specific uh, the reason behind that. But anyway, she originated the role of Jean McLaren in Brigadoon in 1947, a role she would play for over a year and a half on Broadway for another year on tour and repeat in the 1954 film adaptation, though her role would be drastically reduced from the stage version. She went on to perform on Broadway in the Agnes DeMille-directed Cole Porter musical Out of This World, uh, starring Charlotte Greenwood and choreographed by former teacher Hanya Holm. Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, uh, uh, Virginia was in as a replacement and member of the closing cast. Uh, the flop musical A Month of Sundays, mm-hmm. uh, starring, starring Nancy Walker, which closed out of town in January 1952. And uh, I guess her last Broadway credit maybe uh, was Leonard Silman's New Faces of 1952, which had a kind of legendary cast in it. Um, though officially a member of the Agnes DeMille Dance Theater for a national tour from 1953 to 54, Virginia was absent for a large per- portion of the engagements as she was filming Brigadoon. Uh, just as the film of Brigadoon premiered in September 1954, Virginia returned to Culver City to shoot her scenes for the film version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma, for which Agnes DeMille recreated and adapted her original stage choreography. Um, Virginia is a featured dancer in that 
uh, movie, uh, specifically in Many a New Day, and also in the in the in the Tree Ballet. Um, both Brigadoon and Oklahoma are notable for being two of the few motion pictures shot twice during principal yeah, photography. Yeah. Mm. yeah, using separate cameras and takes to accommodate the new experimental widescreen processes of Cinemascope and Todd Ayo, respectively. As such, different versions of both films exist using the same pre-recorded songs, although it's unclear whether the flat version of Brigadoon was ever released, um, and it isn't available on home video. Uh, a European stage tour of Oklahoma, headlined by Shirley Jones and Jack Cassidy, followed in the summer of 1955, and the film opened in its first run, Todd A.O. 70 millimeter engagements in October, Virginia returned to the role of Jean McLaren for several revivals of Brigadoon, most notably at New York City Center in 1957 and 63. Uh, she also appeared in the producer showcase NBC broadcast of Bloomer Girl uh, with Barbara Cook. Uh, I, I think that's available commercially. I, I believe it is. Yeah. Home video, yeah. And, uh, and Jack and the Beanstalk in 1956. Um, just before turning 30, Virginia married Hubert Alexander Doris, a professor of music at Barnard College. In 1956, she also appeared in a few short-lived non-musical roles on and off Broadway before effectively retiring from public performance in 1963. A quiet family life followed with Virginia as the wife of the esteemed professor and mother of two adopted children, Alexander and Julia. And finally, I find this so interesting. By the end of the 1970s, Virginia began to study labanotation, a method to document and preserve choreography in print. Over the next 10 years, working for the Dance Notation Bureau in New York City, she created labanotation scores for works by choreographers such as George Balanchine, Agnes DeMille, Eugene Loring, and Richard Englund, all of which are stored within the archives of the New York Public Library for future study and performance. Um, Virginia began a new career teaching yoga in 1997 at the age of 70 years old. Her husband, Hubert, died in, uh, on June 8th. 2008 at their home in Hancock, Maine. Uh, she lived out a quiet retirement in Ellsworth, Maine, and she died this morning, less than a month shy of her 94th birthday. Wow. So kind of, yeah, kind of amazing. This, by the way, I, I've been reading from her wonderful Wikipedia entry, which a, a mutual friend of ours, Chuck Pennington, worked up just about a year or two ago. There had been, I think, very little about her before that. So I think it's wonderful that he documented all of that and spoke with her and created this wonderful bio of her. And now that's available for everyone. Um, uh, this is a tangent, but um, it's sort of funny. Um, uh, Patty Carr um, died not long ago, and um, she was in New Faces as well, New Faces of 1956. Mm. And um, a, a friend of hers um, invited me to her apartment to see if there was anything there that I would like because they were simply going to uh, give it to Goodwill and what have you. And she said, you know, there may be something here that you like. So I came there and um, there was Leonard Silman's um, autobiography there called here lies Leonard Silman. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I said, you know, there is some, at least urban legend that the really rare books of Leonard Silman's here's lies Leonard Silman 
are the ones that are not autographed because he just went around insisting that if you had the book that he would autograph it. I said, so let's open this book and see if this one is one of the rare ones, not autographed, or if it's one of the common ones that is autographed. We opened it up and there was the autograph by Leonard Silliman. Yes, indeed. There it was. Um, <laughs> ironically, Patty Carr wasn't in a new face any more than Virginia Bosler was in 1952. That's what's so odd. So many of these new faces that had um, careers before they were considered new faces. Um, oh, obviously, Leonard Silliman obviously just felt um, if you were good and nobody really knew who you were, that that was good enough for his uh, show. Because after all, there, as you say, gentlemen, for blondes and out of this world, the Cole Porter show uh, predated um, those uh, the 1952 edition of New Faces. And but, Brigadoon. Uh, and Brigadoon, needless yeah. to say, sure. Yeah. Um, and that's really something um, to see that uh, she uh, was in that in such a prominent role, in such a prominent role, and yet was in New Faces. Right. I mean, it's one thing if she were in the ensemble of these shows and, you know, okay, but, you know, Bonnie Jean, good Lord, there's even a song about her. So, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw a, a wonderful old clipping about her. Um, I'm not sure what the year was, but it's, oh, it was around the time that uh, the film of Brigadoon was about to be released. And it said, um, I guess it was a, a local paper from Massachusetts, maybe. And it said, uh, Newton girl, uh, to be married for 1071st time or something like uh -huh. that. <laughs> she got married. She got married on stage every night in Brigadoon and then once more in the movie. Uh -huh. <laughs> Isn't that something? That's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. So, uh, all right. I guess that wraps it up for today. Before we get on to trivia, and we won't forget trivia, so okay. don't panic over there. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Not you, Peter. You know, the people oh, in the uh, yeah, chat room there, yeah. our listeners. <laughs> I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these broadcasts by going to the front page of BroadwayRadio.com. There's a subscribe link. That way, each and every time we have a new episode of This Week on Broadway, it'll be automatically downloaded to Apple Podcasts for you. Of course, you don't have to listen to us on Apple Podcasts. There's many ways to listen to us. iHeartRadio plays us. TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere that you can listen to find our podcast, you will be able to find Broadway Radio's offerings. Contact information for Peter, for Michael, and for me can be found in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com, as well as links to all those uh, great things from Giuseppe. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, the videos and all his, his uh, website and all the other stuff as well. So, Peter, do you have an answer to last week's trivia? Yeah, uh, we call it Hamlet, but the actual title of Shakespeare's play is The Tragedy of Hamlet, Prince of Denmark. But what Broadway musical that's had one Broadway revival contains a song that mentions a King Hamlet? And no, it's not Rockabye Hamlet, which has not had one Broadway revival, thank the Lord. Uh, the answer, in the musical 110 in the Shades, Starbuck refers to Prince Hamlet in his musical fabrication, Melisande, as King Hamlet. So Steve Bell was the first to get it, only seconds after I asked it, mind you, <laughs> followed by Rob Johnson, Tony Janicki, Cheryl Hodges Selden, Paul Witte, Mike Meany, Richard Carey, Brigadoon, Ingrid Gammerman, Fred Abramowitz, Joanna Abizi, J. Aubrey Jones, Greg Pavlak, John Rubenstein, yes, that's John Rubenstein, <laughs> Michael Shane, Mark Miller, Greg Christensen, Robert Lobiondo, Josh Israel, Ed Glazier, and a partridge in a Pippa Pear 3, I'll tell you. This one really got a lot of answers. All right, let's see what we do this week. In the very same year, she was in two musicals that mentioned the dance, which was the nation was obsessed with. <laughs> in the first of the two musicals, she simply mentioned the name of the dance in dialogue in the middle of a song. In the second, 
she actually sang a whole song about this dance. Who's the performer? What were the songs? And what were the shows? Okay. If you have an answer for that, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. We'll let you know if you're on the right track. So on behalf of Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I can sing it very slowly. I do it now, but it would take hours. <laughs> now let us see if you can remember my name. I'll give it a shot. Now who's the fellow that you see? Aldolfo. And how should you refer to me? Aldolfo. And who is it I'll always be? Aldolfo. Now sing it proudly. You are Aldolfo. Now let me spell it out for you. <laughs> for all you lovely ladies who didn't hear because maybe you're hard of hearing or something. <laughs> uh. I don't know. It goes... Ha 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 